Welcome to the Only One Shot Golf Podcast. I'm Jim Gallagher, Jr. Don't forget to subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts. And special thanks to Steve Azar for allowing us to use his music. You can find Steve at steveazar.com. Get your copy of Only One Shot. That's available at Amazon. That was written by VJ Trollio, the teaching professional at Old Waverly. Today is Solheim Cup preview week, or I should say it is the Solheim Cup. And uh, I've got three special guests on uh, this week's podcast. Grant Boone, who will be calling the uh, coverage. He's a host. You've seen him on so many of the LPGA events, and he's worked for the Golf Channel for many, many years. I've got American Allie McDonald, actually Allie Ewing. She'll be representing the U.S. And I have Madeline Sykstrom, who will be representing Europe. Both players have uh, made their second Solheim Cup teams, and uh, it's going to be great to hear their kind of their preview of what's coming up uh, for Solheim Week. It's going to be a great week at Inverness in Toledo. So let's get started. Here we go. Caught up with Grant Boone, who is the host of the LPGA, will be hosting the Solheim Cup, and just talked about a few of his fond memories from the Solheim Cup, kind of give us a preview of what we uh, should expect this week, and here's Grant uh, on some of his memories and what to expect this week at Inverness uh, at the Solheim Cup. I'll tell you another one that, that maybe as as an electric moment in any sport that I've ever covered was at the Solheim Cup two years ago. You got Suzanne Pedersen, mm-hmm. and we already heard whispers that she probably was going to retire. She hadn't played hardly at all, even up till then. And she makes the walk-off putt on the 18th hole at Glen Eagles, and Europe wins. And there's something about a home team winning, you know, when the, the, they flood the 18th green. And I'm down there with the, with the, the pack on trying to uh, interview players, and it's chaos, and I'm getting swarmed. It's a mosh pit down there. It was an electric moment. I hope we have that next week at at, at Inverness. You know, you uh, you mentioned Solheim Cup, and we'll be covering that. Uh, how many have you covered uh, Solheim Cups? How many have you? Covered? This is going to be my third. My third. The, the first was two was uh, two cups ago in Des Moines. Um, yeah, and, and in Des Moines, you know, Iowa, and so I was there for Corn Ferry doing um, in Omaha a couple of weeks ago. The Midwest. That part of the Midwest, Nebraska, uh, Kansas, and, uh, you know, uh, Iowa, th- that part, the Dakotas, some of those places don't have professional sports, and, and it's why they come out in droves for big events when they come to town. And, and you just did a, a senior open in Omaha, and, and even with the inclement weather, it was incredible just to see the support. And, um, y- you know, uh, when I did the Solime, in Des Moines in 2017, I mean, that first morning, the opening match, uh, you know, you've got Lexi Thompson and Christy Kerr, and it, it was the the scene surrounding that, um, that tee box at one and the crowd, it was, I mean, electric. You had Mel Reed and Charlie Hall against Kerr and Thompson, forces. Lexi drives the green. Kerr makes the putt for eagle, and I and it, it was deafening. Um, I was so there. It, I know. You know it. Having oh, I know, and, and having and having been on the playing side of it in the Ryder Cup and Presidents Cup, as you you've done, uh, it's 
even in the 25 years since you've you've played, it's gone up a notch. It was intense oh, enough, gosh, but yeah. now you've got all of the the, the cheering. And sometimes you even, you know, Danielle Kang, she even wants the cheering like Bubba does, even while I'm teeing off. Let's go, you know, let, let me hear you. Uh, those are fun. What makes the Solheim Cup so special, in your opinion? Uh, not anyone else's, but in your opinion. I, I ju- this is from talking to players, and, and I, think it, I think it applies to the, to the Ryder Cup um, and President's Cup. But I think it's even more for the Solheim Cup, two things. You watching your as you did watching your kids compete. You'd rather a million times out of a million be the one over that putt than your kid be over the putt because yeah. it, it's you. You can control it. When it's your kid, you're living and dying for them. You know, and when it's the same way when you're playing for someone else. It, it's not just me. I, if I let myself down, well, it's me, and I can go back to work and improve it. If I let 11 other people down, plus my captain and assistant captains and all my country and my fans, you, you, you almost can't overstate what it means to succeed or fail for others. And, and you know that better than I do. So, so you've got that element, which they have in the Ryder Cup, President's Cup. But the thing that I think means even more for a Solheim Cup is that the, the women – don't get the opportunity to be in that kind of spotlight as often. And so they, they cherish it and they want to succeed and they want to perform even more because they know we're, we're really, we're not just representing our country, we're representing women's golf and we want to put on a show. And so when Suzanne did that and it goes viral over Sports Center and every other highlight show, she did something for women's golf that that um, resonated globally. So it, it's not only I'm playing for someone else, my teammates, which you get in those other cups, those other competitions. It's um, there are far too few opportunities for women to perform on on the grandest, biggest of stages, and I think that adds an element of. Of excitement and intrigue to it. Who's the most impactful European player for Solheim Cup in the history that you've watched? Yeah, well, there's never been anyone like Laura Davies. Right. And here she made the cut at the Women's Open last week. She's an absolute legend. Um, and, and and Laura, the all-time leader in just about every Solheim point cat, you know category. She, you know, she's not an extrovert. She's she, you know, she tends to kind of do her own thing, but she is such a force of personality on on either side she's beloved by you know by by fans and players on both sides uh, not for that one not for those three days every two years but she's she's just so universally respected and loved uh that she you know, she was she was really in many ways responsible for making the Solheim Cup relevant had the U.S. dominated those first few cups uh, it, 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 I think it would have hurt. And instead, they, they rally in 92 at Dalmahoy, and, and they, they beat the U.S. In, in, in a huge upset. I think that set the Solheim Cup uh, on a trajectory to, to become really important and, and uh, to resonate with golf fans who may not even watch women's golf that much. It, there's just something about watching players in uniform. It's happening this week at the Curtis Cup, Walker Cup. It, it just matters when you get 
you know, you get flags flying and you get anthems playing and you get uniforms on. It, it's a it's a, a different animal. And I think even people who may not watch women's golf a lot, they watch the Solon Cup. How about the American player that stands out? Impactful. Yeah, I don't think there's been anyone who's had a greater impact than Julie. Mm. Uh, Julie, as a player, was on so many teams uh, in those years up through, you know, the the the, the teens, the early 2010s, and then she was a three-time captain. And if not for an incredible rally by the by the Europeans on Sunday at Glen Eagle, she'd have been a, she'd have gone three and zero. And so Julie, to me, is the was the 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 straw that stirred the drink as a player, then as a captain. Uh, obviously, there have been great performances through the years, and Christy Kerr has been a stalwart. And um, of course, Morgan, our colleague Morgan Pressel played on on six teams and Paula Creamer's great Michelle we had some great moments and you go back to Rosie Jones and Meg Mallon and Beth Daniel and of course our our uh, our dear colleague Judy Rankin went two and0 as a captain one on on the home soil and away one at Muirfield Village and um, what's great is is that, is that the series has never gotten too lopsided um, you know the the longest win streak when it comes to to the Solon Cup is three. Never has one side or the other won more than three in a row. And, uh, you know, it looked all the world like the U.S. was going to win four in a row uh, at Loch Lomond in 2000. Europe rallies, uh, you know, to win. And, and that was the controversial moment uh, when Annika pitched in. And then they re- they measured and said, oh, she went. actually she was – closer than her opponent so they made a re-chip it and the u.s went on to win that match but they lost the cup and back and then they went back and forth for a couple of times then the u.s won three in a row and then here comes europe europe's europe won in 2011 in ireland then they won in colorado but the first time and only time they've won on europe on american soil and then going into sunday in 2015 in germany uh you know it was they had to finish the the afternoon session the previous day uh but you know, it was a 10-6 lead for Europe, and there was another controversial mm-hmm. moment. This time, it was Suzanne Patterson who who said, "No, I never, I didn't concede that putt." It's Allison Lee and Brittany Lincecum, and that fired up the American side. Then they come swarming back in singles. They win eight and a half and three and a half, and they win the whole thing. So, I really think that matters a lot. You know, if, if it's you and our beloved Tennessee Vol football fans, well, you know, we don't really have a rivalry with Alabama and Florida. Because we never beat them. Not lately. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's true. You gotta not lately. You you gotta have both sides winning for it to be a rivalry, and I think it's a legit rivalry. It, it's, and I'm telling you, next week or the, the, coming up at, at Inverness, I mean, it is anybody's. It's absolutely either team's ball game. Yeah, I looked at the teams. Uh, Pat Hurst is coming in. As you mentioned following up after Julie Inkster's tough shoes to fill, but. Uh, do you think some of the past experience Pat had as a vice captain uh, with Julie will help? But, but the teams are pretty equal. They're, and if the European teams, if we look at the American team, what's your kind of preview and kind of your scouting report on them as they go into uh, uh, the matches? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think Pat will be a great captain. Uh, in, in fact, I think the captains really um, resemble one another. I mean, both are neither neither Katrina Matthew nor Pat Hurst are what you'd call flashy players, flashy personalities. Both are, you know, the old the old fable of the tortoise and the hare. I think about I, I think that that Pat and Katrina are both the tortoise. 
uh, they're not going to blow you away by anything they do or say. They're just so steady. They're the kind of people you lean on. You re- Julie leaned so heavily on Pat as her assistant captain those last three cups. Uh, I-, I look at it and think, this is fun because you've got two very similar personalities uh, in play here. So uh, I-, I thought it was interesting looking at the picks um, – you know, it was three picks for Pat, and they changed that back in February. And it was some of it was COVID, mostly COVID related. Uh, rather than taking eight qualifiers off points, two Rolex ranking points, uh, I mean, two Rolex ranking picks uh, or spots, then two captain's picks, they, they made it three. Interestingly, all three of the ones she chose are winless on the LPGA tour. And two of them are, are going to be first time Solheim cup players. And when you look at the two Rolex rankings, um, qualifiers, was that Salas one win? And it was seven years ago. Jennifer cup, Joe still hasn't won. So of the five who didn't qualify via points, four of them have never won. And one of them has one win, and that was seven years ago. Now, the, the qualifier to that is, was that nearly one, you know, mm-hmm. last week at Carnoustie. Mina Haragai's been playing great this summer. Uh, she has contended multiple times. Jalimi No almost won Evian. You know, she, she missed, you know, three putts inside 15 feet, a couple inside 10 that, that could have won it outright or at least gotten her into the playoffs. She's phenomenal, just turned 20. And Brittany Altamari just – keeps doing everything but win, and she lost a playoff uh, to Anna Nordquist at, at Avion back in 2017, and she played at the last Solheim Cup. So it, it's just interesting. As I look at these teams, each team has five players who have won in the last calendar year. Mm. Um, and each team has several who've never won, you know, on the LPGA Tour. So uh, it, I thought it was a big moment when Anna won at Carnoustie, aside from what it meant for her to win the Women's Open and win a third major, what it did is it knocked Sana Newtonen uh, from Finland, who played collegially at TCU here in the States, it knocked her out of that second uh, spot on the LET points list. And it was kind of a no-lose for Katrina because if Sana, who played next-to-last pairing on Sunday at Carnoustie, she played great. and She top, you know, had a top, uh, I think, 20 finish at the Olympics. Um, if Sana had played well enough to keep her spot, then she would have been playing at the kind of level in a big moment that you'd want her on the Solheim Cup team. Right. If Anna knocked her out, well, now you get an experienced player, Anna, with one of those automatic picks automatic spots and Newton and got knocked out. So Newton and was kind of the odd woman out in this case. And as I look at the European team, 11 of the 12 players on the team are members of the LPGA tour. Right. Last year at Glen Eagles, all 12 players on the European team were members of the LPGA tour. And that had never happened in the history of the Solheim cup going back to 1990. When you played Ryder cup, I dare say half the guys on that team you know, you might not have even never met before. Like you, no, Peter true. Baker, like yeah. some, and they were European. So familiarity uh, sometimes can breed contempt, as the old saying goes. But sometimes, not knowing somebody 
adds to that. Well, I don't know them, so it makes me all the more likely. Uh, I don't. I, I don't mind if I go out and kick their tail now because I don't know them anyway. I'm never going to see them again. That's kind of how I felt. Um, I kind of felt like that. Sure. And, and, but you know what sure. was funny so, is I became friends with those yeah. guys uh, just yeah, that whole, yeah. and, that whole and, week. And that's what that that's the best part of it. So I think what you're going to get is, and it, the only the only one this year in Europe who's not a member of the LPGA Tour is Emily Pedersen, and she used to be a member yes. of the LPGA. She played three years on the LPGA Tour. Everybody knows her. Uh, you know, and, and so, in fact, her, her, her boyfriend, longtime boyfriend, is Daniel King's caddy. So everybody knows Emily. That's right. Uh, it, it, it's going to be all 24 players. Here's my point. They all know each other really well, and they almost always play with each other. Um, I can't wait to watch Leona McGuire. Uh, you know, she's had this breakout season, but she hasn't quite won. Matilda Castron is, is one of the great stories of 2021. Florida State alum who's from Finland. She won at Lake Merced, which is an absolute beast of a golf course. Uh, and then, and then you want to talk beast mode, Castron, who was not a member of the LET. She's a rookie on the LPGA Tour. She couldn't even be eligible for a pick by Katrina Matthew because she wasn't a member of the LET. Right. The only way they told her that she could become eligible for the Solheim Cup is to win, not finish second every week, but win an official L.E.T. event. So she goes back home to Finland after right before Evian. She goes to, to Finland, and what does she do? She wins the darn thing. By winning, she took up official L.E.T. membership. That allowed her to be picked, and, you know, it was a no-brainer for Katrina. I'm telling you, this is – it could be an all-out, you know, battle royal at Inverness. I can't wait. I gave Allie Ewing a call just to see what uh, she was up to, just coming back from Scotland and had a nice week uh, over there. Had a couple weeks over there she played, but I uh, wanted to catch up with her and kind of see what she uh, is up to lately since uh, her last uh, time on the podcast. Uh, had a couple wins since then, making it now her second Solheim Cup. So let's hear from Allie on her pre- preview of uh, Solheim Cup and what she's looking forward to and uh, just, uh, just where her game stands uh, right now. Well, we had this young lady on in episode 11 over a year ago. Allie McDonald was coming off a very successful season in Solheim Cup experience, and a lot has happened since we last talked. So let's welcome Allie Ewing back on the podcast. Allie, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me again, Jim. You get used to Allie Ewing, or do you still, is it a little bit weird? Uh, it's grown on me. Uh, I think seeing it, seeing it around on pairings and stuff like that, having to sign my name, Ewing now, uh, I think it's, it's pretty settled in. So, um, I've, I've gotten a lot more used to it the more I've seen it. Yeah, it was easier to spell Ewing. I remember when Sissy had Gallagher, she couldn't remember how to spell it half the time. It, was, it is different. <laughs> I, it's, uh, she did remember, but it is kind of weird when you've signed your name your whole life uh, a different way. We guys don't uh, understand that. We're talking, uh, you married Charlie back last uh, in the, within the last year, so that's why the Ewing name in there. But you made your second Solheim Cup uh, since we last talked. Uh, I know you got to be proud of that, and, and how excited are you to be back on a, a, for a second time? Yeah, I'm I'm super excited. Um, I think last time I was on, just talking about how big of an honor and a privilege it is to represent your country. And um, two years ago, when I made the team, um, it was you know due to unforeseen circumstances with Stacy and injury, kind of me coming in as the reserve. So um, my goal, my goal this time around was to make the team um, and not have to rely on a captain's pick and. 
Um, obviously, good golf took care of itself, and I'm really excited to tee it up in Toledo out at Inverness uh, next week. So, um, super, super excited. Well, we talked about it. You played Inverness in the uh, first event back after COVID uh, shut everything down. Uh, you know, kind of give us a preview of Inverness and what lies ahead for the matches there. Yeah, actually, I saw a picture on Twitter. I think it was today or yesterday. Um, just the grandstand is set up. The first and the tenth tee are right by each other. So there's this massive grandstand um, going around the first and tenth tee. So it's going to be a pretty crazy environment, first tee. Um, and then the golf courses, it's like an old school design, but it's a great golf course. Um, really open, I think, since um, they've they've hosted a lot of events out there, but like you said, the drive-on uh, was the second time I had seen it. I played a pro-am there for um, uh, the same week that we played the marathon in Toledo uh, a few years back, and um, it's an incredible golf course. It's really open. They've re- I think through the years they've removed a lot of trees, um, but it, there's no doubt sound is going to travel around that place. So we're going to hear a lot of roars, even if it's a few holes over. Yeah, it's a great golf course. You're right. I played at uh, a PGA there, a U.S. Senior Open, and they did. They took so many trees out. They've added three new holes, uh, just incredible holes. And and just the Midwest fans, you know what they're like. They love their golf. You weren't in Des Moines, but I was there for the Solheim Cup uh, a few years ago there, and just the atmosphere was incredible, and I think it'll be the same. But you mentioned drive-on. Since we last talked, you've got not only one but two wins, but you've got that first win over in Georgia uh, at Lake Oconee. And it was kind of cool because your mom and dad were there. I was actually in Baton Rouge helping my daughter Kathleen move her stuff or clean something up in the house. And I get a call said, hey, can you get to Atlanta uh, tomorrow? And I'm going like, well, I can. And next thing I know, you're right there in contention. But uh, let's talk about that first win. It was, you know, your mom and dad were there. But how special was it uh, to kind of share that moment with them? after all the times together traveling and, and playing golf together what was that like in that moment uh, to be with them and share that with them yeah it was obviously you know anytime you get your when you get your first win it's special in and of itself but the the circumstances around it obviously a really difficult year with covid um the travel was different um i think you could speak to any player and say it was a lot lonelier um and that was the first event of the year that my parents had got to come to. Um, so it was, it was special just having them there. And then, um, as you mentioned, just my parents have been great. They've, they've poured a lot of time, obviously a lot of money and just investing into my career and, um, being able to celebrate that first professional win with them, uh, or first LPGA tour win with them was, was something that I'll never forget. And just seeing them both when I walked off 18 green, uh, after securing that win is, it, it's just amazing. And it's something that I can play over in my head and will be a memory that will all hold very, very dear to our hearts for a really long time. Yeah. Your mom told me when I walked out of the booth and I was trying to be neutral the best I could. And the kids were accusing me of being or even past neutral, <laughs> whatever that meant. Uh, because I've watched you play and we've known each other forever. But your mom said, I've always wanted her to win as a McDonald with the McDonald last name because you were engaged at the time. But you mentioned lonely, mm-hmm. and, and, and I think people who see whether it's the men or the women playing professionally and, and, and just, all oh, this is great when you win and all those great things. But there are some lonely times. But then you throw the COVID and the fans aren't out there. You're not able to travel together. You kind of have to stay in. What was that whole kind of 
I guess it was almost over a year. What was that like? You, you mentioned being lonely and out there traveling. How that had to be very a lot of big time adjustments. Yeah, I mean you you do most you did most of your meals in your hotel room by yourself. Um, occasionally, we will, we were able to meet up with uh, you know some of our player friends that are on tour, maybe in a hotel lobby. But there was no dining out, any sort of kind of you know the social aspect that we're kind of used to. Um, so it made it made having friends and people that you were close to on on tour um, even more special. Which um, having I got involved in uh, our tour fellowship, so I've met a lot of friends through that. Um, a few of them were in my wedding, and um, just having people that are you know doing the same thing, going the, through the same emotions, and um, you know, pushing and, and grinding on the LPGA tour. It's great to have those friends, but um, COVID obviously was, was so different. Um, and, and even, even just not getting to see family um, on the road with you um, was really tough. I know, I know for, you know, to the PGA tour guys, they, they probably have their wives travel with them, um, you know, for the most part. And, uh, you just don't see a lot of the players with their with their partners out on the road with them um, constantly because they have their own you know their own set of jobs and responsibilities. So um, it, it was tough. Um, we're obviously we're seeing a kind of a spike in numbers again. So uh, we'll see what kind of happens with our protocols moving forward. But um, it is just a different set of circumstances. But like you said, that first win and my parents being there uh, it was it was unbelievably special. I know for me, confidence is something that we all you know try to get. And when you win, you obviously get the confidence. But when you win, you get an even greater belief in you know what you've worked on and, and all that. But you, you win again in the match play out in Las Vegas. And Charlie, your husband's out there watching. Uh, uh, that was a long week for y'all because you got just all the matches, yeah. all the walking, the blisters and everything. Uh, and then you've had some tough, tough, tough matches coming down there. But take us down – you know, those last few holes, you're thinking, hey, I got a chance to win for the second time. How did you kind of keep focused knowing that it's just been such a grind and you've got a major coming up the next week? Yeah, I, I told my caddy, Dan Chapman, who's been on bag since I've started on the LPGA, um, once we finished out that match against Sophia, I said, I was having such a difficult time getting my heart rate under control. And I think that just plays so much into the fatigue. Um, obviously, we deal with pressure, we deal with nerves, and everything that comes with trying to compete at the highest level. And the difference in that first win and the second win was that I was so much more fatigued coming down the stretch of that second event match play. So many, so many holes, um, and I found it very, very difficult to maintain um, a steady heart rate kind of get my breathing and my, my heart rate under control. So um, it took a lot more effort and a lot more focus to finish that thing out. Um, but having Charlie there, I mean, I couldn't have drawn it up any better with my parents around for the first win on my birthday and then celebrating our anniversary on That's my right. second win and having Charlie there. I mean, it, it was you, you just can't draw that up. And but, You know, people have poked fun now and they say, well, we need a, another big life event to schedule for the third win. So – you know, yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll, uh, we'll we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll, it was crazy. 
I totally had forgotten. I mean, now that you said that, yeah, it was your birthday. I remember that. And then it was your anniversary. I'd totally forgotten that uh, part of it. But it is. It's just kind of how God has a plan. It's out there, and it just kind of worked out that way. But Charlie, uh, I've gotten to know him first at the last Solheim Cup, and then he's the assist, or he was the assistant men's coach at Mississippi State, got the women's job. He's done an incredible job there for on that side of it. But he's just one of those guys, the encouraging. Uh, but you know, how do you guys juggle that? Because he's, you know, now he's back again uh, this fall traveling, and you're traveling. How do you guys juggle that? I know for Sissy and I, when she was trying to play, it was very difficult to do that. But how do you guys juggle those schedules in, in, uh, in this first year of just being married and, and, and you being successful and now his team's being successful? Yeah, I think so much of it is having um, an understanding of each other's, you know, dreams and and goals and being supportive through that. Obviously, when when we were dating, we knew um, what what life would look like. Um, you know, with me pursuing this LPGA dream, and then uh, Charlie obviously trying to reach the the heights of his coaching career. So, um, a huge part of it is is understanding, but also just trying to be supportive in all of that. Um, we, you know, we have our, our struggles with, you know, not really being able to see each other very much. And, um, even communication is difficult because we, we spend a lot of time outside the U S so mm-hmm. it even, it, you know, it puts a lot of pressure on, you know, just being able to communicate and stuff like that. But, um, we've both found a lot of support in each other. And obviously that, that is the main thing is being able to, um, trust and know that the other person understands what you're going through. And he has a great understanding of golf. Um, obviously, I do too. And being able to to hear and listen, but also be able to encourage and, you know, throw in some good, um, just, just some good pieces of advice here and there are, I think, huge for both of our careers. I can't speak for him, but um, he, he's obviously given me tons of advice that have helped me reach new heights in my career and um hopefully i've done the same for him yeah you, you say that you know you got iphones you can facetime you can all the different things when sissy and i were married and she was playing the lpga and i was playing the pga tour we actually this is a true story i'm not making this up i was flunked. both we, we back then you didn't have cell phones so your communication was limited till you got to a, a, a phone at the, ho- the hotel or whatever a credit card phone and all this stuff but i walking mm-hmm. down the airport and one of the, they were going to the next event and one of the girls goes Sissy, there goes Jim. She, and, and I had passed in the same terminal in Atlanta Airport, and she grabbed me and goes, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm, I'm going like, well, we're great communicators. I mean, that's just how it was back then. So, yeah, we, yeah. we got to spend about 10 minutes together, and then she went her way, and I went my way. So I know the, the struggles of, and, the, and the juggling and the adjustments you have to make of that, but it's always nice to have someone who's on your side going through the same things, understands that. That's so huge to both of y'all's success, and I think that's – why it's working so well for you. But you finished uh, 63 in Scotland a couple of weeks ago, finished sixth. You, you know, we, we mentioned you made your second team. When did it kind of hit you that, hey, I'm going to probably make this in points? And were you thinking about it? Were you watching the standings as the year went on? Or, or were you just trying to keep that out of your mind? Because that had to be a difficult thing to kind of block that out. I mean, I'm. I, it doesn't bother me to know where I stand. Um, it certainly wasn't anything I was thinking about, um, in the middle of a round or in the middle of a tournament. Um, but after tournaments, I certainly, you know, had my eye on the points and knowing where I was standing. So, um, I guess maybe like a month ago, um, I kind of, I kind of felt like, you know, a a couple of good weeks should lock me in. Um, but 
obviously we got to Scotland and Nellie and Danielle were the only two that had clinched a spot. Mm -hmm. So Dan and I, Dan and I are walking up to the 18th green at uh, Dunbarney links, the final round. And I've got a six or seven foot putt for birdie to shoot 63. And I look at Dan and I was like, I really wanted to shoot a good score here and get some Solheim points so that hopefully before we tee it up on Thursday, I know that I'm a lock that mm. they can, they can tweet out that I've clinched a spot. Um, even, even in Scotland though, I felt like I had already, despite what I would have done, I felt like I had, you know, pretty much made, made the team, but I wanted, I wanted to know that I had clinched a spot before I, before I teed it up at the, at the AIG women's open. So, uh, a 63 and a six spot, a sixth place certainly didn't hurt. So, um, that was fun. And, just to, to play a really solid round um, at the Scottish. And I played really solid golf as well at AIG, just unfortunately finished off uh, my Friday round really poorly. But um, I'm excited about where my game is and excited to tee it up at the Solheim next week. What did you learn from the last Solheim Cup? Because you said you kind of baptism by fire. You're kind of thrown into the fire pit there at the last minute to fill in. <laughs> yeah. uh, what did you learn from the last experience that hopefully can help you this time around? I think, um, obviously, soak it all in. Um, it's an unforgettable week. Um, I learned that um, it's, a, it's a lot of fun, but it is such an intense competition that it, it requires a lot of mental, mental prep and focus. Um, every single player that's going to be there is going to be competing at their highest at the highest level, I think I think there's something about match play in the Solheim Cup that no matter where your game is at the cur- at that time leading into it, um, it's going to peak um, because you're we're all competitors. So um, I'm excited. The competition's going to be it's going to be really tough, and uh, I'm just going to soak in every moment and you know hopefully bring the cup back. That's the main thing we're going to we're going to go try to accomplish is get the cup back for the U.S. Pat Hurst was a vice captain the last couple of times around with Julie Angster. What will she bring to the table with her experience and and uh, as captain now? Yeah, I think she provides a lot of excitement, a lot of energy. Um, she, you know, I, I experienced her under Julie two years ago. So um, I think they're both really energetic captains. Um, obviously, she's going to, probably take a little bit different approach we're going to do the pod system um i know but um we're going to have i'm sure she's going to take a little bit um, different approach because it's uh, she's pat and then we had julie but um i think there's just a lot of excitement around um pat and and just seeing what she's going to do with the team it's going to be a lot of fun in the team room and um she's going to get us pumped up i'm sure for every day and um just just provide a lot of a lot of good support, a lot of good advice, and uh, a lot of energy for Team USA. I think the atmosphere will be a little different this time around back at home. I know the atmosphere there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you were one of the last matches coming down the line and, and before Suzanne made that putt. But I think playing in front of the home fans has got to be a huge plus for y'all. I, I know it was for the European team last time around, but uh, that's going to be exciting for you. I know everybody in Mississippi is proud, uh, proud of you, not only uh, – uh, of your accomplishments, but how you've uh, continued to be as a person and represent the USA again at the Solheim Cup. Uh, I'm sure you and I will probably see each other a few times walking down the fairways, but uh, thanks for being with us. Uh, I know you're busy. I didn't want to take up too much of your time. Uh, it was great to catch back up with you and uh, look forward to seeing the, you at the Solheim Cup and good luck to you. 
Sure will. Thanks, Jim, and we'll see you there. All right. Thank you. Madeline Sagstrom will be representing Europe, and we wanted to kind of get her uh, take on uh, this week's Solheim Cup and, and just coming off that great finish at the AIG Women's uh, Open uh, over at Carnoustie and just wanted to catch up back up with her and uh, see what she's looking forward to and uh, what she expects from these uh, great matches. Should be a good one. Let's hear from Madeline. Well, folks, we had Madeline Sagstrom in Season 3, Episode 12, back in March, and it's my pleasure to welcome her back to the Only One Shot Golf Podcast. Madeline, thanks so much for taking some time to be with us today. Thanks for having me, Jim. Man, you have been playing some great golf, especially last week at the AIG Women's Open, finishing second at Carnoustie, as we call it, Carnasty. Uh, but what a great week, top five for your first time in a major. What was that week like for you, uh, just coming down there, having a chance to win a major? Well, it's uh, it's been it's been a long journey. I uh, I have struggled with links golf pretty much my whole career, so I've been been really just trying to search for how do I handle this type of game because I find it so different from both what I prefer to play and also what we play most of the year. So it's uh, it's been a long journey, and I I mean I've been playing really solid the last few months uh, ever since kind of U.S. Open. I would say I really picked up, and it was just I mean being in it i mean i knew that if i could have posted that 12 under that i never have a good chance for it but having that chance standing on the 18th tee box is everything we dream about so it, uh, it was uh it was a bit nerve-wracking but so much fun what was the difference what you said you tried to figure out how to play links golf we all do what were some of the adjustments you made and uh to help you have the success you had well i've always considered myself a quite high ball flight hitter so okay. that's taken years i mean i remember when i was at q school in 2015 and it got windy out in daytona and i was i mean i was all over the place and i went in and watched uh, i watched some of the girls and just the fact that they could hit it low i was like i can't do this so i remember when i went back to lsu i found the lowest tree on the course and i just start, start trying to hit under it like that's been a big journey for me trying to lower my ball flight and just control the ball a bit better but then also, I think I realized that, again, it's the ground. The ground, is, the, the lies are so tight. So it's like you have to compress the ball perfect to be able to hit on that kind of grass. Like in America, you can get a little fluffy lie. I love a little fluffy lie, like a little first cut moment. So mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's just a different, this is a different game. I do love the creativity of it. Like you can play whatever shot. No, no shot's going to be wrong uh, at Lynx Golf. So it's, uh, it's a lot of fun in that sense. But I think the wind and the tight lies have been a struggle for me. Yeah, I struggled with that myself because I was a high ball hitter. And I, it was like I was coming in steeper and steeper and putting more spin yeah. on it. And I think that's, that was a great idea to get underneath the trees. I do like the creativity part of it. That's the beauty of it. But you've got to be over there a couple weeks in a row, two or three weeks, just to kind of adjust to it because it is a completely different game. But uh, you, you, you've got your first win. You're, you've had a couple good chances of getting that second win. What have you learned about yourself in that process trying to get win number two and, of course, competing again uh, at Cartanusti? What have you learned about yourself in your game uh, in those uh, kind of just those uh, last few tournaments there with some good chances to win? I think that what we're focusing on the most uh, I got a new caddy for the start of 2021, and and he was very like, man, but we have to make sure we focus on what's bad too, like what we need to improve. I was like, you know, I don't think you have to worry about that. I'm very critical of myself, and mm -hmm. I think that he's been very open with me and trying to like, Madeline, you have to give yourself credit. Like, you have to go out and enjoy yourself again because I, I tend to get way too hard on myself and uh, I, I struggle to stay in the present. So. 
both with me, my mental coach, uh, with the Swedish national team, Marcus, and I've had some help with Annika too. We've talked about over the last few months. It's really like, how do I stay true to myself out there? What kind of player am I when I play my best? Because I think that sometimes I get too much into the bubble of being this serious golfer, which I'm really not. I, I don't play well when I'm taking it too serious, when I'm not talking to anybody, when I keep my head down. Like I, I think that that's really what I focus on the last few months is just like keep my head up and enjoy it. Like this is what you do. Like it, you love this and just really kind of get that joy back into it again. And when I do that, I stay more in the present. I take it shot by shot rather than going back and forth in my mind of what could happen and what have I done. Yeah, that's true. I was like that myself. I was really tough on myself. I remember Sissy, who you know very well, and I would just, just rip on myself. And she's going, would you ever talk to the kids like that? And I go, well, yeah. well, no. Well, then why are you talking to yourself that way? And it's so true. We're so tough on ourselves. And your personality is a little like mine. I mean, when we're relaxed, and I think, you know, that's just how you have to play to your personality. You're relaxed. You're playing well. You're enjoying yourself. But when you let golf and just the bad things kind of just combine on yourself – you cannot free it up and play. I don't think there's any way you can do that. But uh, you work as hard as anybody, as you said, on the mental side. And you, I think you mentioned Annika. Uh, when you have players and who have had the great success, what are you trying to learn from them? What do you take from what they're telling you? And, and what are the, some of the things they kind of help you with on that mental side of it? Well, I think every opportunity you have to talk to somebody that either is currently better than you or have been better than you is. I mean, I, that's an opportunity that I always try to take. I mean, I've been fortunate to have a good relationship with Annika over the years, and she's been very fortunate. And she's been very nice to letting me in a bit on, I mean, call it her secret or whatever. But it's, it's really just, I think what we talk a lot about is finding yourself in it because not everybody's going to look the same like we're all going to have different ways to get, in, get into that film get into that moment where we can perform very well so i think it's just for me it's been a lot about reflecting of who am i as a person what do i enjoy who do i want to be as a golfer who am i as a golfer when do i play good when do i not play good and just kind of like sit back and look at myself from the passenger seat and, and just really trying to figure out those small details like do I wake up even 30 minutes early? And do I need to go talk to um, the audience when I play golf? It's just uh -huh. all kinds of things. Um, and just, I think it's been a lot of reflecting for me. And that's what most people have told me too. It's like, obviously you're doing good things to be on the level where you're at. So, Make sure you make sure you like nitpick and figure out what those things are. Uh, you're growing as a player and as a person. I think that's why you're having the success. And we all we go through that. We you know we get to college just our first time, kind of on our own, and all of a sudden it's a whole big world. And then professional golf can be tough, lonely, and it's a it's a grind a lot of times. But that's some great advice she's giving you. You were a captain's pick by her in Des Moines, uh, and that was a cool experience. Although y'all didn't win, but uh, you missed out at Glen Eagles, and I know you wanted to make this team. Uh, this time around, and, and you did. How satisfying is it for you to now be on your second Solheim team representing Europe? Um, it's, uh, it's what, I mean, I know that, like, when we talked about the Olympics, like, talk about the Olympics is something that we haven't dreamed about. Solheim, Solheim is something we have dreamed about. Like, this has been on everybody's mind since you're young. So this is, like, this is what we live to play for. Like, it's uh, it's one of those experiences that you can't, you can't tell anybody what it's going to be like until they're actually there. So, I'm extremely honored to be a pick and that she wants my game there. I, I put a lot of pressure on myself both in 17 and 19. And I was a bit, obviously I was devastated in 19 that I didn't make the team, but at the same time I didn't play well enough. So 
So this time around, I was so much calmer in myself. And I was like, okay, just continue with your process. If you're good enough, you'll be there. If she wants you, you'll be there. If not, you go home and figure it out. It's not, it wasn't, it was really nice for me to have that kind of mindset because I just played so much more free. I wasn't worrying about, okay, if I play bad this week, what's going to happen? If I play good this week, what's going to happen? It was, it was a really nice feeling to have. Yeah, you answered that question because I was going to ask, were you thinking about it while you're playing? And it sounded like you were able to block that out. You mentioned the Olympics. What was that like? What was that experience like? Because you had a really good week there as well. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it was weird because, like I said, it's something that you haven't dreamt about. So you don't really know. We, I mean, we have the Paralympics on in the background right now. And it's just like all these athletes work for one moment for four years. I mean, this was five years, but it's... Uh, it was incredible. I mean, I, I just felt so honored and felt so uh, excited to be on site representing Sweden. It, uh, I, I couldn't have, like like I said, I haven't dreamt about it, but the fact that I was there and the fact that I had my whole country's eyes on me was, was incredible. Like, I, I was given an opportunity to be in everybody's living room this week, not just the golf fans. Like, you had mm-hmm. uh, people that never heard about me watch me play golf before, and it, that was that was a lot of a lot of fun, and it just uh, it just highlighted that moment of what this means to most people. Um, and I think, I mean, I I already have Paris on my mind. Like I want to make it there so badly. It was an incredible experience, and I wish that everybody would take the opportunity to go if they could. All those moments just give you so much more confidence, and I I think you hit it. You're embracing it, and that's what you have to do in these situations and these great events you've been part of. But would you learn at the last Solheim Cup that's going to help you maybe this uh, this time around? I think the biggest thing I'm hoping for, and I think that I, I think you always have to get the first one under your belt. Like I was so nervous, I I was so scared, I was very intimidated. I mean, I played on American soil the first time in Des Moines, and that was. I mean, when everybody's literally screaming and rooting against you, it is difficult. Like, it is mm. difficult, and how do you get in, in your own bubble? But So that I will be a lot more, I'm already ready for it. Um, and I just, just think that I'm going to be a lot more comfortable. It's not going to take me nine holes to get the shakes away at this time. And I think it's, uh, I'm just ready to kind of go out there and just be more in my own game from the start and just hopefully perform better from the beginning. I played I played well in the singles last time, but uh, not, not before that. So it was... Uh, I think everybody has to end up first. Like that's, it's quite difficult the first time. You now you know what everybody feels like when they come to Tiger Stadium in Baton Rouge and they play the Tigers. They get that same feeling. Uh, but you did Sorry. play. Speaking of LSU, you played Austin Ernst, who uh, teammate, good friend. You played her in the singles. Uh, what's it like? And, and you, most of the players on both teams, you y'all play week after week, and your friends. What's that like to play against one of your friends, and, and how do you separate that and, and get back out there? We know it's a competition because that could be difficult, playing against one of your friends or someone you've, you've known for a long time. Yeah, I know. Um, it was funny because I was playing with Nellie last week, and she messaged me up. She's like, I told you you would be there. And I was like, yeah, we'll see you there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you down. No, it, uh, it's fun because it is that it is well we do play against each other every week so i think uh-huh. we're always trying to beat each other but at the same time when somebody plays well you're so happy for them and you know the grind that everybody puts in so um but it's fun for us because we never play team events so the like you get so close to your team members for one week and then the rest of the time you play against them so it's it's a very fun fun experience and also very different for us so i think everybody's really good at separating like this is nothing to do with us as people this is I mean, you're representing U.S. one one week, and where I'm representing Europe, but the next week I'm representing myself again. So it's um, 
it's uh, it's a really fun week. But you, I mean, if you know, behind the scenes, it's like on Sunday everybody's gonna well, it's gonna be Monday this time. Everybody's gonna get together and we're gonna have a good time. So it's not, it's not. I mean, the you hold Gardish for a few days and then after that everything is back to normal. It's weird. It's the, it's the friendships. I know when I made the Ryder Cup team, I did know some of the guys on the European team, and I've I've still Barry Lane, several of those guys. We've we're still friends, and we're sixty years old. Uh, even though they were our opponents, and I, I, I felt the same way in the Presidents Cup because those are guys we played against all the time, and and even your team, it's a it's a bond you all have forever. But Inverness is an incredible golf course. I know you've played it. How's it set up for you, and uh, how do you think it's going to play as for the matches? Well, I'm really happy that we uh, we played the event there last year. It was uh, it was fun to get to see. I mean, I heard great things about it before before I even went and played, and it's just. It's going to be such an amazing setup. I've I've seen already that they put the grandstand around both the first and tenth tees. So I think the atmosphere is going to be incredible. Uh, it all depends on how they want to set it up. But there's there's a lot of great possibilities for some reachable part fours, part fives, and some long part threes. So I think it it can be an incredible so long setup and and really good for the audience that is going to be there. Katrina Matthew, great player, wonderful captain last time around. What she bring to the team? What do you? Uh, what can you take from some of the things she's told you and has taught you along the way? I think obviously we're coming in with high confidence since they had the win in 19. Um, I know that, I mean, everybody on the team, are we, like we were talking about it last week, we had four, close to four Solheim players in the top five. So, I mean, we're coming in strong. We, I think we're going to, we have high expectations, which I think it's great knowing that we have a strong team and a strong captain. I think uh, with just my, my boyfriend, Jack, was on the team last time, catting for Caroline Headwell. So, he is just he just told us that confidence. Like she she really believes in her players, and she's she's sharing that with everybody. And I I think it's gonna be it's a good solid group of girls that all get along very well. So it's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, it's gonna it always takes a few days to kind of see how it's gonna turn out. But uh, it's it's I'm just really excited for the opportunity and to go there and just uh, play my brain away like i'm just gonna go for it you're gonna play great i appreciate you spending some time with us uh, i know you're busy you just got back from uh, over in england and it's a long trip over there but uh, we're real proud of you we knew you were going to have the success or we thought you would and, and appreciate you spending some time with us i'll see you next week i'll be walking the fairways with you and uh, safe trips up, up there Perfect. I look forward to that. I always play well when you watch me. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to pick you for my group then. <laughs> you do. I do. I love watching you play. And I'm real proud of you. Thank you. Thank you.